0: Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast, it's your marketing powerhouse. Visit contentmonsta.com to learn more. That's contentmonsta.com.
1: Welcome to Great Designs. My name is Tim Kilfoyle and I'm happy to host our Great Designs podcast, shining light on the complicated world of electronic design. Great design can be a challenge on its own, but it can be tougher to know where and how to get good information. We know this, and we help navigate through it every day. We built the Great Designs podcast to be a low-pressure, content-rich environment with topics that matter to you. Make us a regular stop and be informed. Hello, listener. This is your good friend, Tim, and you have somehow found your way back to Kilfoyle's Great Designs podcast for what we have creatively decided to call for now and evermore, episode number two. And I am joined today for a discussion by someone who's been a coworker and colleague for over 20 years, Linda Newman. Hello, Linda. Thanks for being here. Tim, fun to be here. So there's nothing like the second podcast episode to flip everything on its head. I have the questions asked by someone completely different than the one in our first episode, but happily, here we are. So I'm handing the reins over to you, Linda. Take over.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Tim. And I do have to tell you, I'm very excited for today. Um, So often you ask the questions, and now it's finally my turn.
1: Well, I'll do my best. Let's get this
0: going. Great. (laughs) Sounds good. So I'm thinking, when I'm talking to um, young engineers, professionals new to the um, sourcing or sales roles, and they see, they get confused. Uh, There's a lot of complexity in the supply chain today. Um, We have component manufacturers located across the globe. Um, There's multiple distributor options. And how would a new person in the industry best navigate for design support?
1: So it's a great question. And people just like us, every day take it for granted because it's what we've learned. But having met people recently, young people in the industry who aren't immediately aware of all the options that are out there, despite the fact that it seems like second nature to us, it isn't right. Uh, kids coming out of school today, people moving from one job to another. This is real life. We see people coming out of uh, different parts of one business into materials, coming into engineering or purchasing from other parts of an organization. They actually have these struggles regularly. So I build all this up. In this way, because it seems so self evident, but the fact is it's not, I had a breakfast meeting this week with an engineer, a sales engineer who just came into the industry, just got out of school in May, and this is reality for him. So what I would say to anyone in that situation, the first, probably the immediate and obvious one is component manufacturers, the people in the industry making the parts, putting them on the market they're the ones that are going to have the greatest tools the greatest information on their product they're going to know everything there is to know about it consequently they're going to have a sales force that's going to be well trained in the product the specifications the availability the process of making it the process of making it available on the market everything that they should need to know about the product they're going to have in front of them we refer to these as the direct sales people so again in your example here it's a new entrant into the market that might be an engineer. So you go directly to a Texas Instruments, who is a big player in the component market, of course, or a, an IBM on semiconductor product from years ago. Go directly to them. I'm going to say a, that. Sorry. I'm Tim, I'm just,
0: just going to interject. Sure. With, with that, so are they local? I mean, would, would there be a Texas Instrument direct salesperson local to me?
1: Sure. For most of our customers there are. For most of the customers that we deal with, they're going to have someone planted in the field that's going to be out there calling on them. But that is actually a great question as well, because we're seeing more and more resources put in front of customers as options. But that will generally be available to them either through a salesperson in the field or some factory engineer, et cetera, that could be a resource. But just to fill out that that question there, the direct people direct manufacturer, that's one option. The second path is going to be a distributor, someone who's got a line card full of these manufacturers. They're going to have their own sales force, they're going to potentially have their own product management people, people who are well-versed in the part as it relates to commercial availability, maybe some technical aspects as well. They may even, like in Aeroelectronics, Electronics, have a full FAE force out in the field. So again, to your question, it, are they going to be local? Yes, they have salespeople who are local. They've got factory applications, or I'm sorry, field applications engineers who are local. So that resource is definitely available to the new person in the industry as well. The third option, of course, and I would tell you it's the one that I think is probably the most flexible, is the manufacturer's representative, which in many aspects operates as a direct salesperson in the sense that they are a contracted sales agent to the component manufacturer. So in the same way you'd have a contract accountant or a contract HR manager, you would have a contract salesperson. That's exactly what a manufacturer's representative is. The distinction here is they have the ability to sell for multiple different manufacturers so long as they don't compete in a product category. So for example, uh, we sell resistors. Uh, we only sell for one resistor manufacturer because that is the nature of the business. While a distributor described earlier could have 10 different resistor manufacturers on their line card, they really are in the business of fulfillment. Although they do offer all of these other services as well, the nature of their business is more transactional than a direct or a manufacturer's rep. I'm not saying that's all they do. Of course it's not. They offer technical support. They offer other services they manage inventory et etc but really the strength of them and their industry happens to be that of fulfillment so there are resources out there a lot of very good ones getting better and better uh, but knowing which ones provide which level of service and really what they're what they're providing you in the way of the options so the direct manufacturer is going to really be able to just offer their product which is to say one manufacturer you know, you you contrast that with a distributor. As I mentioned, they could go out and sell you as many as 10 different manufacturers of the same product.
0: Okay, and listening to you, and I'm, I'm thinking of um, the young entrants into our industry, the manufacturer's rep, that can be a little confusing. Can you go more in depth in manufacturer's rep and maybe even comparison to the direct sales model?
1: Sure, so yeah, in fact, this is the one that, probably does confuse most of the new I'll say salespeople who aren't familiar with the manufacturer's rep model. In fact, we see it this way overseas as well. Although they have the similar model in Europe, it's almost unknown in Asia in our experience. So the manufacturer's rep is a contracted sales agent that is going to sell again, only for one manufacturer per category. So you may look at that and say, well, they're selling for multiple manufacturers and that is true. But each of them has to exist really within a fairly narrow category because in the way a distributor could sell 10 different resistor manufacturers, 10 different microcontroller manufacturers, 10 different connector manufacturers, again, they're coming at the market from the ideal of uh, fulfillment. They want to be able to fulfill the need of the customer when the customer has it. So they're going to have it with multiple manufacturers in the same product category because they're effectively in business to supply exactly what it what, what it is that the customer needs when they need it a little bit agnostic as to who the manufacturer of that part is i'm simplifying here but the fact is in the market space that's how they operate it's more transactional and fulfillment oriented than it is on the direct sales side for the manufacturer's rep again a single product category but a complementary set of products so back to my example as a resistor salesperson i go in and sell for one manufacturer i know that the customer that i'm going to sell to is going to need at the minimum a circuit board to put that on at the minimum they're going to need solder to solder that onto the board you can make a good educated guess that they're also going to need a capacitor maybe a crystal or a microcontroller or a microprocessor etc 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 so the the effective efficient Um, Sorry, a manufacturer's representative is going to be looking for other products and other categories that they can sell into the same customer to make themselves more important, to make themselves more efficient. If you're going to go in and sit down and talk to an engineer on qualifying a resistor, you might as well go in, since you're going to be in the engineering department anyway, and qualify as many other product categories as you can and then go into purchasing and try and get all of those products sold, et cetera. Again, I'm simplifying, but the fact is that's how you become the most efficient salesperson you can. And that really is the value of the manufacturer's rep. They can sell from multiple categories into the same customer, making a very efficient sales model and have great success. They're independent. But again, I mentioned, they really are more like a direct salesperson because, they are a contracted salesperson for the manufacturer. The other distinction that really is important when considering the manufacturer's rep is they have a lot of flexibility. They always seem to be on the hunt for new products, new manufacturers. It's a trite statement, but to be a solutions provider, you're obviously out looking for solutions. Easily translatable, you've got a customer with a need, As a manufacturer's rep, you're always out there looking for products. So you can't always predict exactly what it is that your customer is going to need, but the manufacturer's rep eye is always open and they're always looking. They've got generally a history of success in the background that they can draw from. These are experiences with other customers, experiences with other manufacturers they've dealt with in the past. You know, you've got a customer with a need on assembly. It's an easy enough thing to do to bring them in. So again, I, I tell a lot of our salespeople, for many of the manufacturers that we're selling for, although we're selling a product or we're selling a service, really what we're selling mostly is flexibility. We're selling flexibility. We're selling connections. We're selling knowledge of the marketplace. That's the strength of the manufacturers rep.
0: Okay. That's, uh, that's helpful and qualifying and clarifying, I should say. And let me ask um, an additional question, follow up on that. So, manufacturers rep or direct salespeople, as a young engineer, it's not like I I can choose. Um, a manufacturer either uses a rep network or a direct sales network. Would that be a correct statement?
1: It's right. That's exactly right. And in fact, it's fluid. Okay. So, while, sure. while we enjoy the benefit of being a manufacturer's representative, not every manufacturer out there uses manufacturers representatives. And as I said, it swings back and forth. There are times when people use them. There are times when people don't. Uh, without getting too deep into the whys and wherefores and so forth, uh, we try to do everything we can to make ourselves as effective, flexible, and um, you know, the solutions provider is as trite as that is to say in order to be relevant in the marketplace. It definitely is fluid, and it's always a threat. In fact, the biggest competitive sort of people we see out there to our way of doing business is that direct model, but there are companies of, you know, in terms of scale there are companies of of every size out there and some have been successful for a long time doing it as a direct model. Others have done been doing it for a long time as a rep model. It's just, I think it has a whole lot to do with what they're comfortable with and the way they like to go to market. So, you know, there are others that tend to go back and forth, but the, the, Companies that you tend to be the most successful with are the ones who are sold, so to speak, on the model that they've chosen. So, obviously, we tend to do best with those who've selected the rep model for a long time, and and that's, you know, we're grateful for it.
0: Sure. Now, in putting myself uh, in a uh, young engineer's shoes, uh, new to the industry, um, I'd be asking myself, what's my best path for success with working with salespeople? I'm kind of like, why do I want to work with salespeople? Or um, you've explained that, but where do I start and what should I expect?
1: So as a manufacturer's rep, we, we work hand in hand with our distributors. There's, it's really the best path into our market space. So if I'm a young, new entrant into the market, the new engineer just getting out of school, someone just getting into supply chain or purchasing i would go first into the large distribution there are distributors of all sizes across the marketplace but what's interesting about the distribution base in today's electronic component marketplace is the scale to which they are growing it's it's staggering really to watch it's been happening over the course of the past 20 years but it just seems over the past 10 years it has been getting it's it's been going to even new newer heights So we've got these large distributors that are scaling up and they're scaling up in the sense that they want to have everything in place in their warehouses so that they can fulfill needs immediately so if you think about the retail market space and you think about places like amazon that same thing is happening in component distribution but in order to be competitive they're also offering additional services technical services which are great for the customers. So again, a new entrant into the marketplace, you find yourself in one of these large distributors, you're gonna have instant awareness of the players in the field. And I mean to say the manufacturers of these components because all of these large distributors are fighting to have them on their shelves. So you'll have instant access to those manufacturers. You're going to have more and more technical resources available to you as a design engineer. So if that's what you're looking for, you'll have it. They can do material management they can do bill of material management they can do 3d models they can do spice models they can do any design footprint that you would want they can manage your library for your cad layout seemingly endless in terms of what they can offer the design engineer so it's a great first step they have tons of exposure they have tons of salespeople. they really are the way to get into the market today it's a great first step if you're looking for that the direct manufacturer of course they have all of that but it's all specific to their product generally speaking if you're a smaller customer and you're going into one of these large manufacturers then you're going to be forced at some point probably to go to those distributors anyway because the largest manufacturers of say microcontrollers generally aren't going to sell to you directly they're going to force you to buy through a distrib- a distributor so going into that distribution path is probably the best first step really for anybody. It's a great way to get exposure. You look at the market today and how crazy it is with respect to the supply chain and getting parts. You're going to want to, you're going to need, in fact, to have some presence, some profile within those large distributors in order to have some meaningful impact on their business such that you can get your parts when you need them. That's much easier said than done today, but again, to just repeat myself, the best first step I would say is getting into those large distributors. Now, not selling any of the regionals or smaller distributors short, but again, if you're going to be getting in there and you want broad exposure to those, the big ones are going to get you there. Now, that's not to say that the smaller ones don't have their place. They do. And what you won't really learn until you experience it is the level of service that you're going to get. And I know that many people feel that some of the smaller, more regionals are able to offer them that. So they all have their place and experience and time in the industry will kind of get you to the point where you feel comfortable going with one or the other. So everyone's going to have their favorites. I'm just saying best first step is probably those large, large distributors.
0: Sounds good. I think that uh, can be very helpful in, uh, again, uh, choosing the, the first steps. Now in shifting gears a little bit, um, can we talk about the industry as a whole? what What are some of the um, main changes you're seeing uh, happening in the electronics industry today?
1: So for the, again, for the young engineer or young buyer coming out of school, uh, they wouldn't ne- necessarily recognize all of this stuff, but for the people who've been around for a while, they will see again, scaling up in the industry is continuing. These manufacturers of uh components, especially the microcontrollers, continue to get larger and larger. But what's interesting is what's going on behind them with respect to the foundries that support them. You know, it's in light of the supply chain issues that we've seen recently, we see that there are fewer and fewer of those large-scale foundries that are actually supporting so many of these fabulous microcontroller companies. And it's just interesting to see that everybody, from the foundries to the distributors, are scaling up in a way that there's lots of consolidation there seem to be fewer, but much larger players. So to me, that's what strikes me. That's what stands out in the industry, that the scaling up, but also the size, uh, not just the size, but the services that they're providing. So again, I likened it to sort of the retail Amazon model where everyone's just getting so big and the services are proliferating inside those companies. So it's nice to see because as a customer you have one place to go and they seem to have everything you need with respect to product on the shelf, services offered, continuity, they've got uh, redundancy in terms of everything it seems. They're just they're so big. Um, but it just the question i have is is what happens behind that? To what end are they growing? And then is there a vacuum that gets created behind that that will soon be filled in by the smaller or regional or upstart um, internet style, uh, distributors. Cause I see that those companies have been around for a while and I'm talking about strictly online distributors who, you know, previously you might've called brokers, but again, on their own seem to be scaling up. It's just an interesting time in distribution to see what's going on because consolidation is continuing and these companies just continue to get larger and larger. So the one thing that I, I tend to put everything through sort of the filter of my statement which is start with the customer and move from there so as i look at these large companies and i ask myself well the top of those companies by virtue of the fact that they're getting larger and larger and there are more and more layers the people at the top of those organizations seem to be getting farther and farther from the customer i'm not making a statement on any company in particular but it's just my own philosophy of start with a customer and move from there and i just I worry about these super big companies and how the top of them seems to be getting farther and farther away from the customer. So yes, they're offering more scale. Yes, they're offering more services. And I just wonder at what cost of the customer relationship and really where is it going? So the rep, where, the, where we fall within that whole, you know, sphere of operations or sphere of the transaction where you have the distributor, you have the manufacturer, you have the customer and you have the rep, we seem to be the ones that are maintaining that link between these component manufacturers that are growing so large, these distributors that are growing so large, and then you've got customers, of course, of all sizes. But the manufacturers rep, while I do think that we have to continue to grow and scale in our own way and offer additional technical services and other services, I do think that we are that link between these enormous, and growing distributors and the customer base that you hit it early on In fact you need to have that local presence so while i i do have that phrase that i repeat start with the customer move from there the other thing i like to say is all sales are local in the same way that people say all politics are local well it's true the customer that's here buying components likes to buy from linda or they like to buy from tim and that is true today and it was true many many years ago so I contrast that with something else, just as an example, this is just coming to me now, but I'll tell you, I looked up the winning race time in the New York City Marathon 50 years ago, and it made me think, okay, the old salesperson that's in the industry today that says, well, it's all about relationships, and it's always going to be about relationships. Well, that's just like saying 50 years ago, to win the race, you just have to run the fastest, and that's all you have to do. Well, the winning time 50 years ago would have put you in 47th place this year. So if you just think that, well, you just have to run the fastest, you're not considering the techniques, the way you need to sleep, the way you need to eat, the way you need to train, et cetera, et cetera. My point here is there are things that people in our industry need to do today that are different from 50 years ago. So if you don't continue to change with the market, if you don't continue to adapt, if you don't do what the customer asks for today, which is different than what the customer asked for 50 years ago, you're going to be obsolete. And we, of course, need to avoid that.
0: Sure. And so, in listening to you, um, can you describe what we're doing, what Kilfoil is doing, uh, to help customers navigate uh, some of these change- changes or in looking at um, you know, the, the new trends of today and not relying on you know, 50-year-old technology, so to speak?
1: Sure. So... Well, one of the things we did is we put in, well, I'll go back to that statement, start with the customer and and work from there. So we view our distributors often as customers because despite the fact that they're, they're a channel that we sell through, they also are our customer in many respects. So a few years back, we actually took the QBR process that we had in place with them and decided to, at their request, begin calling in a QPRS, a quarterly planning and review session. And in fact, the ERA has put together their own QPS um, process as well, but we did it independent of them, I think a year ahead of them. But the fact is they listened to the customer as well in the same way we did. Point being, don't focus on just a QBR, which could be browbeating the distributor into higher numbers, focus on what they can do right. I heard the story recently of a manufacturer going into a distributor, and the general manager of the distribution location said, can we focus on the 30% of the stuff we did right instead of the 70% of the stuff, or I'm sorry, the 70% of the stuff we did right instead of the 30% of the stuff we did bad. So the point being, sure. we're trying to focus on gaining traction with our within our distribution partners and not making it a browbeating session over where we wish the numbers would have been. So that's one thing we do. We recognize that it's a need in order to grow and and get tangible results and get the traction on the opportunities that we've got uh, that we're moving on with distribution. So technical support and services, it's something that we're adding. It's not something we've done in the past. I know other people have had FAEs. We actually are putting a platform in place, which is an online instant access to FAEs based in a similar way to a Zoom or or a Teams call, it's a little bit different in that it's much quicker. You don't have to go through scheduling. You don't have to go through multiple clicks. It's a much more instant access to uh, an FAE. So starting small, but we recognize that it's something that, again, the young entrants, the new entrants into the market want that. They grew up with an iPhone in their hand. They would like to get an answer quickly. Why do I have to schedule time with a salesperson? Why do I have to schedule time and walk down to a lobby to meet somebody else just to get a question answered? We want them to have the answer immediately and not necessarily even have the threat of a salesperson calling them. It's just make it technical, but make it immediate Uh, engagement in the industry. We're uh, consistently now engaging in management roles within ECIA and ERA, not at top levels, but where it makes sense for us to be engaged in these groups. We've started a large um, national networking group of manufacturers reps these exist elsewhere. We wanted to start one uh, just to make it a little more consistent with the things that we're trying to do and what we're hoping to see in in the industry. If we want to see policy changes made, we're trying to be a part of that. So that's something else we wanted to do. Um, So where I mentioned before with the distributors, we've seen them scaling up to, you know, huge sizes. I say, in size, scale, and services. That's really what they're trying to do we're focusing on coverage, capability, and consistency, coverage across more territories. So I mentioned that we recognize that scale is required for manufacturers reps as well. So we're trying to do that. We just recently bought a rep organization out of Illinois, Wisconsin, and we think that that's going to continue to be a necessity as we grow our footprint. So we want to have better capability in the way of technical services to offer customers quick answers uh, for our manufacturers, again, without the threat of having to schedule to see a salesperson obviously that is what we are but the fact is for the people who just want quick answers we want to get them that and then consistency we want to have a high level of service high level of marketing high level of innovation that we supply to our manufacturers who you know you think about us I described our distributors as customers which is true our end customers are our customers which is true And our principals are our customers, which is true. So we have a lot of people that we have to please. But really, at the end of the day, we need to give our end customers the resources they need, the answers they need, the services they need. And that's what we're focused on. Start with the customer and work from there.
0: Got it. Now, I'm going back to um, your comments on uh, technical resources. So as an engineer, um, and if I have technical questions, which I will have, where do I go for answers?
1: So the quickest, the quickest place to go for the best answer with respect to depth and breadth is going to be the component manufacturer as a manufacturer's rep. We see this, we know it, we go directly to our manufacturers regularly and we get help for our customers. So there's no denying that they've designed the product, they're manufacturing the product. They know it better than anybody else. Uh, The distributors of course, as I mentioned, they've added a lot of the technical resources and a lot of that stuff is in house. uh, But even, one example is microcontrollers when we work with the faes that are out there in the field they will often tell us you know we've got the hardware side of it licked we just need support on software or other parts of integrating the part with you know pieces of the design that the customers um, referencing that is is often better done at the manufacturer site than it is through distribution it's a great service that the distributors provide we support them. Every, every time we can support the distributors, uh, FAE efforts, we do it. It's a great resource for us to lean on, but in terms of depth and breadth of support, we really find the manufacturers the place to go. Even as reps, we're trying to do more and more of this on our own, primarily because we don't want our customer to get stuck in a queue. I don't want our customer to get to the manufacturer and have to take a number like he's standing at the deli line at the grocery store. We wanna be able to get them quick answers. And if we can't get it with our own resources, we wanna be the one to bird dog it from an engineering perspective to get it to them as quickly as we can. So this is all becoming more important because COVID just doesn't seem to be going away. So the work from home movement, which will certainly outlast COVID, is taking the access to a lot of these uh, engineering people away from the salespeople. So it's just, again, an effort to stay in front of them and be relevant to those engineers who may be working from home two days a week now. And while it may not seem like a big deal, that represents 40% of the time that we have an opportunity to get in front of them. So we're working hard to, to get access to them wherever we can.
0: Got it. I'm thinking this is all good information and helpful for, um, the, the new entrants, if you will, new engineers, uh, new sourcing, uh, professionals in our industry. And I'm a little nervous to ask this, but, um, Anything else you want to add to the mix, Tim?
1: Oh, I'm just getting started, Linda.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As I said, a little afraid to ask, but go for it.
1: Well, I've given so much of what we're actually working on for the industry. It's our, our role as manufacturers reps is bright. I have no doubt. And I say that knowing that the scale of distributors is getting larger and larger. They do rely on us. These industry groups that we're a part of it's interesting to see them operate more and more in tandem with the manufacturer's reps and it's evident and they're trying to make it evident and it is, uh, but we work closely with them. We're all aligned on managing design registrations. We're aligned on making sure that we can work in tandem in customer accounts supporting each other. So I do feel that the industry is going to need the manufacturer's rep model out there for, for a long time. And certainly for the remainder of my career, which, you know, I hope to be another 20 or 30 years. But the fact is, often I hear people knock the, you know, different parts of the industry, including the manufacturer's rep model, because it doesn't seem to be embraced in other parts of the world. But, you know, time and again, people will swing in one direction, meaning head direct. They'll swing back in the other direction, head toward manufacturer's reps I do, of course, think that the more off, the more we can offer the customers and our principal suppliers, the more relevant and important, and the term I use is sticky, but the more sticky we can make ourselves to those manufacturers and to the industry as a whole, well, then the more relevant we're gonna be. You tend to make your own luck, right? The opportunities are there to the ones who make the opportunity. So that's what we're focusing on. But what it means is scaling up more services, and offer the customer what they want, where they want it. Start from the customer and work from there. That's everything that we're trying to do. So to sum it up, I don't want to just make this a cheerleading call for the manufacturer's rep or any other part of our industry, but for the young engineer and the young buyer coming out of school today, asking themselves, well, that's the manufacturer's rep. I don't want to go there for technical services, or that's the manufacturer. I don't want to go there if I want broad support on, you know, technical answers. You can't really pigeonhole any of us into thinking that this is the best place to get this answer or this is the best place to get this answer you're going to get different levels of relationship different different levels of service different levels of product offering it just depends where you're looking but i would encourage you to use everything that's out there and available to you don't just use the giant place don't just use you know the single man or single Uh, person, manufacturers, rep agency, use all of them because you're going to find different levels of support, different levels of engagement, different levels of knowledge. There are a lot of people out there and that's really what this business is going to come down to no matter who you are. It's who do I like working with? Where do I get the best answers? And who's satisfying my needs? I would encourage you to try everybody and see what happens because there are a lot of good people in every part of the industry and every part of the players. And I mean to say distribution manufacturers rep and manufacturers. So I hope we hit something there, Linda.
0: I, I'm sure we did. And I'm thinking, you know, it's for the young people, they have to start. They, they know their options and uh, it will, again, you'll connect with people. You'll connect to understanding what services are available and from whom, and it uh, will all come together, but it's a a great help, uh, your words today to um give them a head start
1: well thanks for asking all the questions this was fun linda we'll have to do it again (laughs) really promise (laughs) no no promises thanks (laughs) but listener thank you very much for joining us and you will find more of our podcasts on our website we do these at least once a month that's the goal we hope that you you find more of this on our website And if you have any questions for Linda or myself, you can find our emails and our contact information on LinkedIn, on our website, or through any of our customers or distributors that you might be uh, interested in asking us about. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning into Great Designs, our low-pressure, content-rich environment where we cover topics related to superior designs and electronics. Our content is posted here once a month. And we hope to catch you on our next episode.
0: Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast. It's your marketing powerhouse visit contentmonster.com to learn more that's contentmonsta.com